Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. The Icarus Line is a dramatic narrative feature set against the backdrop of the current Los Angeles music scene. The film tracks Joe Cardamon from, uh, as the front man of the Icarus Line as he navigates his way through the ups and downs of the modern music landscape. That is the premise behind The Icarus Line Must Die. We're joined today by the director and writer of the film The Icarus Line Must Die, and that would be Michael Grodner. Michael, welcome to Film School. Hi, how are you? The, the film, it feels very much like you spent time with Joe uh, Cardamon, and out of that evolved something. It, and he's actually co- co-writer, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not too far off, I don't think. But tell me a little bit in terms of your relationship, getting to know Joe, and where the story behind uh, The Icarus Line Must Die, how did that sort of evolve? Right, well, Joe and I have known each other uh, from, from several years prior to uh, making the film. Um, I do a web series called Dirty Laundry TV where we interview bands in a laundromat while they do their laundry. That's so awesome. I've been doing that for about nine or ten years. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and Joe and the Icarus Line uh, w- have been appeared on that show for twice. Yeah. We shot once in the laundromat and then we once went to his studio and we did sort of like a Cribs episode there. <laughs> uh, and, and that's when I kind of got to know Joe and we became friendly. We were always talking about working together and how we can work together. We didn't know into, in what capacity, whether it was music video or even just putting on a show or, or helping him out with, with getting his music to a certain person. Um, I remember going over to Joe's studio. He had invited me over about maybe it was several months before we ever thought of making a film. And he had this album that he had just completed, and he wanted to play it for me. Uh, and, and he did, and I was just blown away. I mean, I thought it was fantastic, and it just sounded fantastic in his studio. And it's really, that, that's the best place to hear um, music, <laughs> in his studio, yeah. through his speakers, because yeah. he has the best, the best stuff. <laughs> and, and, so, and even at that point, we were talking about how can we work, do something, maybe film something, promoting the record, and how can we do it that was sort of like out of the box. Uh, but anyhow, we... We, we we never sort of uh, um, you know went forward with that, and at this time in, in in my career and what I was doing, I had just I had gone through a whole process of putting together a film, uh, and we had a great cast and 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 uh, crew, and we had you know money people who were ready to put the money in, and then all of a sudden they disappeared, so the money just dropped out, and and I was left with you know just sort of like the <laughs> the tatters of this project. And I was incredibly frustrated going through that process again of raising money and waiting for investors to come in, which is a long and and it's a difficult process. So I thought, you know, I really, I haven't made a feature yet, and I really need to make a feature. So I thought, how can I do this? And I I said, I, I could put my own money in, but it would certainly wouldn't be the type of money like, you know, it's not a million dollars Right. by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> right. And I thought, how could I make a movie uh, for very little money, but, but have that sort of that no budget, in a sense, or low budget work 
to the to to my advantage. Um, and I've always loved the films of the Lower East Side, the late seventies, early eighties. This no wave period. Yeah. It's, it's a great movement. That you know, great art, great films, great music came out of that period. And I thought, and and the films had a real authenticity to them. Um, and I thought, wow, you know, and they were punk rock movies, yeah. very much so. Yeah. Um, even if they didn't feature music in them. But I thought, what if I made a no-wave film, and, and instead of being in the Lower East Side, we, we move it to Los Angeles. Why don't we do that here? Um, and I thought, well, Joe would be a great subject. He would be a great, almost a great front man for the movie, which, which in a way, it, which knowing that I have worked in music a lot, and Joe's worked, you know, Joe obviously is, is connected with so many people in music. We can pool our resources and just make a rock and roll movie where we, you know, have great band performance. We have really colorful characters in there, and it's almost like a road movie mm-hmm. where you're meeting all all these different characters as Joe moves along. Uh, so that's that was the plan. Yeah, and you're you're right, and the the sensibility. I just love this sort of a film because it is. I mean, I'm sure you've heard references to the sort of looks like a Jarmish film. It feels like uh, Stranger Than Paradise. It, there's a lot of things, but I can go back even further in the sort of New York film scene. Robert uh, Downey Sr. He did a couple of films like Putney Swope, and they they have this sort of uh, the, the, this re, this sense of reality, but also a sense of s- slightly elevated reality and and that's what this film has and it needs because there's a reoccurring motif in here and we're not sure for sure what's actually happening with with Joe and, and his future shall we put it that way and and so that has all of that it has these very interesting characters funny very disturbed at times it has but it has it all holds together beautifully. It just really, I, I was drawn. I was drawn to Joe. He's a terrific. Um, he has a terrific presence, even though he's a, his personality is a bit laconic. At the same time, he's he's very direct. He's very. I don't know. I don't. Know, how would you describe him as a as a, a a character in in his sort of the vibe he gives off? I you know, I think that's a very your your description is a very good one. It's that he does have that laconic feel to him, especially in the film, but he is direct. And, and he, you know, he, he's, he's not mincing words. He, he, he doesn't beat around the bush. He kind of tells you really what's on his mind. Yeah. And um, I think that he takes that approach with his music as well. I mean, he has a great deal of integrity. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, he is not one to take on projects that are just, you know, you know paydays. Um, you know, he really has to feel something for the music, say. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that's that really is uh, that 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 is a big part of him, right? And and when you contrast that with him, his performances, right? So he's he is this personality in a day to day interactions with people. But when he when the music comes on, especially at the beginning, we see a, a, a good chunk of the, his music, the type of music he he. His of his art, shall you say, and then we see him perform it, and it just really like he's electric at that point. He just—it's obvious that this is what infuses him. And yeah, and so so you contrast those two, and you you know you're getting a perform. I guess what I on both ends, you know, you're getting a performance from him on both sides of that equation. Right, and I one of the things also that drew me to the Icarus line 
is, and I've seen them live a few times, is Joe is one of the best front men I've ever seen of a rock band. Yeah. And that is a rare commodity these days. I mean, they just don't, you know, you don't have great front men anymore. Um, and, he, and he's great. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's that side of him. I knew that Icarus Line, when we shot the Icarus Line, the performance, it was going to be electric and we were going to get something great. Yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah, I mean, that, that's part of it. But I think an interesting thing about the film, and, and people have commented, commented me about this, is you do see a side of Joe that, you know, most people would never see who, say, are fans of the Icarus line, don't know Joe at all. And, I, and it's, it's this vulnerable side yeah. to him, which we were able to um, bring out in the film. And I think that brings in more people than maybe are fans of the Icarus line yeah. or even know who they are. Yeah, no, I I have to admit I was not familiar with the music. I, I I'm familiar with peripherally familiar with other people in 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 the film, but I wasn't familiar with him and his band. And they have they have a history that in uh, the band has a history that somewhat mirrors not somewhat it it darkly mirrors a lot of the things that are going on in the film itself. Um, and I don't know if that's, if that's an even an accurate description, but wow, what a, what a history they have, the Icarus line. Yeah, no, the movie is, is everything in the film is derived from stories and experiences that Joe has had. Yeah. For instance, the, the death threat uh, subplot, mm -hmm. that is based in truth. I mean, all those... He's receiving these texts, these anonymous texts from he doesn't know where, um, and those are all actually word-for-word texts that he had received when he was going through this period of time when he was receiving death threats. And it was a very, uh, um, you know, a frightening time for him, and, and, he, and he was, um, I mean, he had nightmares that were kind of paralyzing. Yeah. Uh, and he, I mean, at some point he actually went to the police about it. So, um, you know, it was a very intense time for him, and, and, and we, you know, portrayed that in the film. Yeah. We're speaking with the, the director and writer, co-writer of the film, The Icarus Line Must Die, and that would be Michael Grodner. And I want to let our listeners know that if you're interested, you can get a poster, which is a very cool poster, by the way, of the film. And you can do that by emailing here, me, if you'd like it, filmschoolradio at earthlink.net. I know that sounds ancient to say earthlink, but that's what it is, filmschoolradio at earthlink.net, and, and I will make it happen. So, uh, uh, yeah, and the film is shot in black and white. Uh, yes. Aesthetic choice. What what sort of what went into that decision to to do that? Uh, well, we we, sh we shot the film. Started shooting the film in color, and we right. did shoot the film in color. Um, and uh, some of it looks gorgeous in color. Yeah. But um, uh, we, the, you know, since the movie did have this, since it was inspired by these films of that period of time that I was talking about, the, the no-wave period. Mm -hmm. and, and there are certainly a lot of pictures from that uh, period, or, or, or a number of them, um, like, say, you know, Stranger in Paradise, or like the film The Foreigner by Amos Poe, mm -hmm. that were also black and white. They have a sort of gritty, almost timeless feel to them. Mm -hmm. and, and also, I think our film, there's a, there's a darkness to Joe's story, to Joe's character, 
uh, and the people around him. Uh, almost, um, yeah. So, so we, I thought that that really did mirror, uh, and it was a great way to evoke that yeah. uh, through black and white. And, and then when we did start looking at it in black and white, we really kind of fell in love with it and, and, and just decided, yeah, this is the way to go. I'm thinking back and just hit me as we're sitting here. There, there are some scenes in color. In in the film, am I am I no. coloring? Am I doing? Am I doing a, a Ted Turner here? I did the, <laughs> the very. The, I'm trying to think. The very end. Nothing. The very very end. That's not in no. Color. Oh no, wow! No, no. Why did I think that was okay? I'm so uh, <laughs> host error there. Uh, operator error. Uh, okay, well, it well then evoked <laughs> it evoked some color in my own head. Wow, but okay, so yeah, and I I totally agree. I love that timeless feel. I mean, you can go back through the history of cinema, and those films uh, from you know the Italian realists and all that kind of stuff, black and white, they they hold up. Yeah. They just well, you also you also brought up a movie uh, Putney Swope, which yeah. is the Robert Downey Senior picture. Yeah, which <clears throat> you know. Shot in black and white, yeah. I, and, and, and that movie was, I think, what late sixties. Yeah, it was sixty-eight, um, sixty-seven, sixty-eight, somewhere yeah. in there. Yeah, and and that, yeah, I, I, I love the look of that movie. There's just something, uh, uh, <clears throat> you know, I love pictures where yeah, you have the option. It's not like you know, black and white is the only way to go. But uh, you know, I really, yeah, there's something about a film like that. Um, you know, it's you, you, don't, you know, you don't forget it. You know, you don't. And I, I swear, even though it needs some updating, I swear to God, I think that film could be made today uh, with, the, with what they were, the, the satirical edge that that film had could be done today. You could update yeah. Putney uh, and do it pretty well if you, if you, if you knew what you were doing. Um, but yes, again, I, I really strongly recommend people check out this film because in addition to all the stuff we're talking about, the storyline, the, the performances... Joe, there's a number of performances in here, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Annie, Annie Hardy from uh, Giant Drag, who in some way steals, well, she, she certainly steals the part of the film that she's in. It's just, she is such an interesting and uh, funny, I don't exactly know, I don't even, I'll let you characterize her performance in the film. She's just a really, uh, kind of this breath of energy in the film. Yeah, you know, she is a, a someone that I've wanted to work with for years. Yeah. So I remember, I do re- remember seeing uh, Giant Drag, <clears throat> and in addition to the music, and, and the songs weren't uh, joke songs in per no. se, no. but she did have a, a real biting sense of humor in the songs. And then I always remember her, like her stage patter was, was always hilarious. <laughs> you know, stories that she would tell and just her sensibility. Um, and, then, and then I remember there was, there was something called uh, GTFU Radio, that was an internet radio station in the early 2000s. Yeah. And I remember she was on it, and she was just, I think she was a co-host, and she was just hilarious. <laughs> and, and I wanted her to be the host of Dirty Laundry TV when I first started it. Uh-huh. And I reached out to her, and she said, you know, sure, I've got a you know, buttload of laundry to do. I'm down. <laughs> and, and then I remember I had... I had Mike Watt was one of the first people oh, I yeah. reached out to Mike Watt of the Minutemen. Right. And uh, he, he, I reached out to him. I said, Hey Mike, we've got a host. We're ready to go. Let's, you know, where do you want to shoot? He said, come on down to San Pedro. We'll, <laughs> we'll shoot in my, uh, I've got a, I've got a laundry machine in my apartment. We'll shoot down <laughs> here. 
So I said, I called Annie back or text or emailed her, and I said, Annie, let's do it. Mike Watts ready. Let's let's go. Let's go shoot dirty laundry. <laughs> I never heard from her <laughs> for like for like weeks and weeks. And then I started to have Mike start emailing me back. He goes, When are we doing this? I'm ready. Come on, come on down. I'm like, Oh my God! One of my heroes, Mike Watt, is yeah. emailing me like pretty much on a day every other day basis. And I don't know where anyone. She just dropped off the face of the earth. Okay. Um, I ended up having to get another host, and I didn't hear from Annie for years. Okay. Um, and uh, long story short, <laughs> she happens to be great friends with Joe Cardamone. Okay. And um, and that she's started doing you know new music that wasn't necessarily giant drag um, over the last few years, and uh, uh, you know when I had the opportunity to cast her in the movie or have have her as a character uh in the film i i yeah i was thrilled because i always wanted to work with her oh yeah um and i'm sorry and so so how would i describe her as a personality uh she is just uh, honestly a complete original who really has no filter (laughs) (laughs) um and uh which which is great because she also you know she's one of these people who has no filter who's whose mind is so interesting and hilarious that you kind of just want to let her riff and and just listen to what she has to say she besides music i think she has a career in improv if she decides to go in that direction i think absolutely or a a monologue monologist am i saying that right yeah yeah monologist monologist yeah i think she could (laughs) probably pull it off but yeah she's just fun there are a lot of other people you got keith morris who was the uh lead singer for was it circle jerks and yeah he was well he was the first lead singer for black flag and then he formed the circle jerks shortly after that And and now he has a band called Off. Okay. And and he's someone else who, um, you know, I I've featured on Dirty Laundry twice. Okay. And he's someone in the scene that you you just see around, and he's also and it's just a and a complete original character. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he's he's the real deal. And again, another person who you just want to just sit and listen to him talk. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you just want to. Sit back and let him do the talking. There's a number um, of people in this film that are, are like that. I, I, yeah. I Listen, I, I was going to Orange Coast College here in Orange County in 1975. That's how old I am. 75, 76, somewhere in there. And I, they, Black Flag was there with TSOL and somebody else. It was somebody you know, in that realm. And right. I was just blown away when I heard them. They were playing in the, in the, in the quad. At, right. at Orange Coast College, yeah. So I remember all these guys, and it's just great to see them. Great to see it. they're still vital and they're still involved, and they they're still making music. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, well, that's what the great thing about Keith is he. I mean, he's still in a punk band. I mean, Off is great, and and you know it appeals to like older punks and also younger kids. Yeah. And and for a long time, he and um, he was he was tied in with uh, FYF Fest. Are you familiar with yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, I do know that. Yeah. He was uh, he was one of the um, you know he, he and Sean Carlson were, were sort of like partners on on that and he was you know involved in curating that festival so he was you know he's still involved in the scene um, and uh, uh, which is very cool I mean I, that's what I kind of wanted to do with this film too is is bridge those two worlds yeah. you know younger up and coming bands and also sort of the old guard yeah you, you've done it it's a really fun film it's a really i i i hope and that, that what i'm about to say is correct it feels like a film that no matter what the theatrical run is like it's going to stay around people are going to refer to it and you know it'll be watched 
uh, long past uh, the, the theater uh, the theater run and uh, yeah it, it's a really terrific film and I, um, I and I my, you know again my hats off to Joe as a sort of a front man in a film now and uh, and his ability to kind of move the story along as well as just be himself and it and and he did a terrific job so thank uh, you thank you yeah and I know your your history you're going way back to music videos you've done this and I that's obviously I or I say obviously it, it feels like it's a great training ground for you to be able to assimilate musicians into the story and into the film and it just works beautifully Thank you very much. I, you know, you're so welcome. I'm so so glad we had a chance to talk about The Icarus Line Must Die. We've been speaking with a writer, co-writer, along with Joe Cardamone, uh, with, as well as the director of the film, and that would be Michael Grodner. Thank you. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. 